Welcome to the Dogs, your fortnightly dose of greyhound racing interviews, insights, and a whole lot more. With your hosts, Joe Andrews and Danny Jackson. Welcome to episode 26 of Gone to the Dogs. I am, as ever, in case you didn't recognise the voice, Danny Jackson, and my co-pilot is... Joe Andrews, but they might not have recognised your voice because you're very ill, Danny, aren't you, at the moment? Your voice is not 100%, it has to be said. Hmm. Yeah, I went on holiday and came back with the worst cold I've had in years. I've had to cancel work for two days. I... Well, you'll hear later on, we did the interview with Kevin Boothby. I think I spoke twice because that was on my worst day and it's not getting better. Although my abs are having a good workout because the coughing will not stop. So but did you have a nice yeah. holiday? That's, that's oh, it was amazing. Yeah, really, really good. I, yeah, just relaxed, had wine, sangria, tapas, you name it. We did it. Just had a great time. So good. take me back there, please. Well earned. But we start the new year, 2024, with quite a different landscape in the greyhound racing world in Britain, don't we? We've got the Entain tracks that have moved across to ARC to create Premier Greyhound Racing. Mm -hmm. There's all sorts of rumours circulating about the future of Greyhound TV. Obviously, it's not racing post-Greyhound TV anymore, it's just Greyhound TV. What will the future of that be? Premier Greyhound Racing has launched to some criticism, I think it's fair to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we've been told that there's going to be an evolution and the just, you know, the important thing was to get going on the 1st of January. It was a drop dead date. We've got to get something up and running. But obviously, you know, we've not had any presenters or anything like that for the main. You know, we kicked off with uh, Romford Cat 1 last week. And, and I think, you know, some people don't think the coverage is, is where they want it to be. So it's... It's an interesting time, isn't it, Danny, for for racing at the moment? It certainly is an interesting time. And I think, you know, everybody expects things to happen straight away. And the reality is it's just not going to. Um, I think, uh, obviously, we had Gary Nash on for the special and he said it is going to be an evolution over 2024, figuring out how to deliver the best product that they can. And they've started at the very bottom so that they can hopefully um evolve as you say and deliver what we want to deliver because like you say at the moment they are coming in for a fair bit of criticism and some of it is deserved really um i have watched little bits of it and there's just teething issues especially when it's automated you're always going to have those teething issues i remember when william hill started with their betting tv too and before it ever went live, they had so many, you know, snagging issues with the automated service. And even when they did go live, there's still issues. There's still issues now, you know, if things are delayed or whatever. So the automated service is always going to be a little bit trickier to handle than being able to do it yourself. So I think that's what the issue is really um, at the moment. Yeah. The problem is, I mean, you know, any any owner or fan out there, again, is, is losing out, aren't they? Because yeah. Entain at the moment aren't taking bets on, on the SIS tracks, um, you know, presumably due to their deal with, with Premier Ground Racing and, and wanting to push that. So, if, you know, if owners and 
owners and fans can't bet on those tracks. You've got a limited service, which is not ideal. If I've got a dog running, you know, and I used to be able to watch it on GT Greyhound TV, mm. you, you know, it, Greyhound TV, in my opinion, is really important. And as I've said before, people might criticise it and it might not be what they want. But to have ground racing on seven days a week with presenters talking about it and bringing it to life and engaging with viewers is absolutely essential. Um, and for that to go, it would be terrible. In an ideal scenario, obviously, Greyhound TV will, will continue as it is. Obviously, it's not got the same tracks on it. Premier Greyhound Racing will have presenters covering at least the big events, Cat 1 competitions, open race nights. You know, Romford on a Friday night used to be a staple of racing post Ground TV. And at the moment, we've just kicked off with, um, obviously, with the Essex Vars and mm. also the, the Maiden competition. And it's just on a betting feed. You know, owners are losing out again and fans. And if if you're trying to encourage new fans to the sport, you need presenters, editorial content, etc., to 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 really grow their love of the sport and and to help educate them. A betting shop feed behind a red button isn't gonna isn't gonna bring any new fans to the sport, is it? And if anything, it's gonna it's gonna put current owners off the sport and fans because you know if if as i say if ground tv goes and then premier ground racing doesn't have presenters around the big events i even i'm thinking what what's the point like obviously i can go and watch my dogs on the track but i can't get there all the time at all especially not not now with a young you know a young family so if i'm just going to have to watch it on a stream on on a bookmaker's website or something that, that just doesn't appeal to me and then we talk about it with kevin coming up but Part of the big thing, you know, owning, a, a, you know, if you've got a good dog, isn't necessarily, it is making the final, but it's always in the competitions, people talking about your dog, the build-up, being involved in that. And, you know, when you get to the race in the, in the final or the semi-final, you know, what will be will be. But having people writing and talking about your dogs and stuff like that, for, for me personally, and I know other people, is, you know, it's a big part of owning owning a greyhound and even talking about the, you know, the, the graded races and, and two in a row, three in a row and, and talking up these, these graders winning and stuff. People want to see their dogs on the telly and the, and it's nice to have people presenting it and talking about it, giving tips before the race, stuff like that. So in my opinion, like these things cannot go for the, for the future of the sport. And, and it's, you know, it's really important. I feel quite strongly about it. I do as well, to be fair. Um, and I don't have any dogs anymore because mine have just retired. Um, so, yeah, it is it is important, and Kevin says a lot about it as well that GTV does continue in one form or another. Um, you know how that future looks, I have no idea, but I'm really hoping that we do continue to see greyhounds seven days a week. I know that Sky obviously are having their meetings, and there's a few a day uh, sometimes as well, but we do need to have that more um, you know presenter feel in the studio rather than just a voice at the track that you can't really get behind because you don't know who they are if you're not a Greyhound racing fan. Most people know who they are if you're in Greyhounds, but if you're not, you've got no idea. This is disembodied voice that comes from the track and just commentates basically and uh, and sometimes does previews. But yeah, I think we do need more of a, a presence, as it were, on TV when it comes to Greyhound racing, for sure. I'm with you, Joe. Yeah, so watch, watch this space because it is an interesting time for ground racing right now and, and a lot's going to happen in the next quarter I would say um, so uh, yeah a little bit little bit uncertain again you know fans and owners losing out in the media rights battle but you know f- things will things will move and change so uh, let's hope that the sport is better for it at the end of it because at the mm. moment and where we are now it certainly isn't
No, I would agree. So it just needs to settle down. Everybody find their groove. We're only two weeks into Jan. And, you know, it's not going to move at lightning speed. Nothing ever does. So let's just give it a little bit of time and we'll see how it goes. Um, that's all we can say. And that's all I can say, because I would say more. However, I'm trying to conserve the old voice for everything else I've got to do. Um, let's keep the intro short this week, shall we? I think we should. And I think because I don't speak too much to Kevin, I'm going to give him a good old intro. It is promoter and owner Kevin Boothby that is our first guest of 2024. So strap yourselves in. This is a good one. It's 2024 and our first guest I'm pleased to announce is Kevin Boothby, promoter and owner. Kevin, Happy New Year. How are you? Very good. Yeah, very good, Joe. Yeah, busy. So busy with the new schedule. So, yeah, that's good. Good stuff. Um, Look, let's start from the very beginning. How did you get into Greyhound racing in the first place? I think back in about 1986, 87, I just come out of the army, uh, got medical discharge, smashed my needle. Uh, and then I got friendly with some lads off the markets of Boston. And they used to have a dog with Maggie Lucas at Hackney, uh, a dog called Night Owl. So I bought a share of that. Uh, and then, yeah, after he finished racing around Hackney, then we bought some dogs with Emil Kovac at Nottingham. That, that was, yeah, 88, 89. So that's how I first got involved. And it just got hooked on it straight away. So it was certainly from the owner's an owner's point of view then. How many dogs did you have before you got involved in the promoting side of things? Uh, I suppose before before I took over at Henlow, I had about five or six dogs with Lorraine King, uh, who now works for me as assistant race manager at Henlow. Uh, so I had six, five or six dogs with Lorraine. Used to win them at Milton Keynes. Uh, and yeah, I just enjoyed it. I, I was involved in it for years and Next minute, I was working in the fields, working man, never had no spare money to buy a dog. So I went about 15 years without owning dogs, just literally could not afford to. So, uh, but then when I got back into it, I sent some dogs to Lorraine. I did have a couple of dogs before then with Barry Draper at Sheffield. Uh, but then, yeah, Lorraine, and then obviously Lorraine mentioned to me one day about Henlow, you know, leases available there because she used to go there once a week. And then when I went and looked at Henlow. Yeah, so unfortunately, as many people who's listening will know, it's it's sad news for Henlow. It's going to be a last ever meeting this Sunday. Um, as you said, that's that's where it all started. So how did that come about via Lorraine? But talk us through the, the sort of process and how you went from having nothing to do with, you know, ground racing other than ownership to, to running and, and owning a track. I suppose it's, let's say, for 15, 20 years, I was a working man, married five kids, you used to get ten pound a week pocket money. Uh, I did. I used to have enough every week to get a, uh, an ounce of backy, a three pound round robin bet on a on a Saturday. Uh, worked seven days a week in the fields, and uh, you know and that's a hard life. And then one day I set up an agency, recruitment agency, started with three workers in the factory. Within a year, I had three hundred workers in factories and farms and this that and other. So that's when I started getting back into the dogs. Obviously, I had a bit more money, uh, and Lorraine said to me one day, oh, Henlow, uh, 
where I go because I was battling back then. She used to go on a Tuesday for patrols on a Tuesday morning, uh, and she used to take some of my dogs there. So I went and looked at it, and uh, yeah, I just fell in love with the place straight away. I mean, it was very run down, and it, it was. I think the business in them days turned over like two hundred grand, and I just loved that feel of it. It's proper grassroots track, and and when I've gone there. I just thought if I put a restaurant up and do this out and the other, we can turn the place into a, a nice little stadium. Uh, and I think we did about three or four months, done a deal with a landlord, and we took over October 2004. So, and yeah, it's, it's been been very nice, Enlo. I mean, I, looked, I love Enlo a bit. And it was a sad day when we lost in court. You know, in my opinion, it's, it was complete nonsense how we lost in court, but you have to accept it and you have to move on. But it, it was a sad day because the intention for me was to you know, get a, a lease extension and uh, get the restaurant back open, get some cat ones back on and, and go that way. Yeah, it's 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 a real shame. I mean, will you be doing anything special on Sunday for the last meeting? Oh, I think I think I think the lads growing up would be having probably a bit of a late drink there. I mean, I've had quite a few of the owners and that. And look, it, it's a lot of people's heart, Henlo, do you know what I mean? I mean, I know my staff there like Lorraine, Lorraine, her husband Dennis come work for me as a general manager when I first took over at Henlow. He had an accident, bless him. And you know, we Lorraine had a pack of training dogs, and I took on assistant race manager. Lorraine's worked for me for eight, 19 years now. So, a lot of people I've had worked for me at Henlow, like Vince, the cashier, the tote manager, he's been there 25 years. So, he's been a big part of people's lives for a long, long time, Henlow. And it's the same with the trainers and the owners. You know, it's 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 like one big family there, and, it, and it's a shame, and it will be a sad day on Sunday. How did you find uh, running it from having no experience running a track to 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 running one? Was it straightforward? What would what were the main challenges you found, or did you just I roll suppose, with the punches? I suppose that, yeah, for somebody who actually liked ground race, and then next minute, and I used to club it, class it as my hobby. When I first got in, it was like I was really busy in Lincolnshire with the agency and everything. Uh, and then he used to go to Henlow on a Friday and Saturday night. I mean, I remember when we first ever opened, I, I put a marquee up. It cost me like two grand a week to hire this marquee. But I just pointed a marquee up there so we can do like restaurant sort of food. I mean, from a business point of view, it was like suicidal stuff because we, we did the nuts with it. But it just, I just wanted to do that thing. And I remember when we first opened on a Saturday night, we had 76 people turn up. And somebody said to me, you're mad, Kev. What, what are you doing? I said, don't worry. We need to raise Saturdays. And within a month, we're having 500 people turn up. And then we used to do barbecues under the grandstand. And it's brilliant, the families. And for me, you know, loving ground racing to be all of a sudden like a kid in the sweet shop. Do you know what I mean? I was loving what I was doing. I was loving the racing. It was great seeing people come in. And and that's where sometimes ground racing has lost its day and age, getting the people in and having that spectacle. And that's why Oxford's been really good. You know, you think New Year's Day is a great crowd at Oxford. Joe, and I enjoy that. I get a massive buzz out of getting big crowds in. And, and that's one thing which, you know, going forward for this year, I want to start concentrating more at Toaster and Oxford with getting crowds in. Yeah, so, so on that point, how did it evolve then from, from Henlow, the one track, to getting involved in the others? Talk us through the, the timelines. I think, I mean, 2018, I mean, Gordon first come see me from SIS and offering us a, a contract. Uh, and, and we agreed to do four meetings. Within a year, we were doing seven meetings. So we, we quickly could we put the infrastructure in place and I had kennels like in Heckington and 
kennels on site at Henlow, and we built the strength for, I suppose, when when the last year before Henlow went on SIS service, we got absolutely mullered by Toaster. Toaster took our dogs, and that was, well, you know, we used to race on a Saturday night with 20 odd dogs on the card. So we've gone from being a very good business on a Saturday night where we was getting seven, eight, nine hundred people on a Saturday, doing really well, uh, having 12 races to the following year. All the dogs have gone to Toaster. Uh, we was racing seven races, eight races, three dog races, four dog races. The crow just plummeted. I mean, 2017 was a very difficult year at Enloe. Uh, but then obviously we've, we've SIS coming on board and giving us that contract to help us then you know, forget about all the bad times and we built up a nice little business from four meetings to seven meetings and it put us in a, in a strong place and then obviously we, we, we toast the game bust and obviously 40 minutes up the road you know, I mean, when you when you drive a toast and go through them front gates, you fall in love with the place, don't you? You know, it's very powerful sort of place to go see so that did me, I mean, I've drove through the gates and I went, wow, look at this, so it, it's, it was one of them, again when, when you become a, a ground promoter, or any promoter, you want to like reach the pinnacle of what you do, and you drive for them gates, and you think, one day I love staging this to here. What a place. So, obviously, we did a deal with the Hesperus, and we took it over. We completely reshaped the track, but it was designed for eight dog races. It was too wide. I think it was about 11 metres wide around the first two bends. And, yeah, and it's been, then we bid for the Derby. We've got the Derby for five years, and yeah, but COVID, I mean, 2019, when I got toast, October 2019, we knew it cost us a few quid to get the track right. I think we spent 250, 300 grand instantly on taking all the sand off, putting new sand on, because their sand was terrible. It couldn't hold the water content. The drainage wasn't very good. That was all. So we, we completely spent a lot of money on getting the track right. It's so important that, you know, getting your track good for the dogs. Uh and then we thought we'd get licensed in March, April 2020. And the next minute we're in COVID and we're in lockdown. And I'm like, wow, you know, absolutely doing our brains with us. But look, we got through that, through that, and it's been challenging. But, but yeah, it's it's it certainly was the wrong time to take over toaster. But yeah, it's uh and we had a lot of dogs on site as well. I mean, I know even during lockdown, I mean our electric bill of toaster, it was uh the dogs on site it was like six grand a month just for the electric. I mean, it's a big old cost thing, toaster is with all the, but yeah, it's it's certainly been an interesting three or four years of my life, I must admit. How many dogs do you have on, on site at Toaster? What's the capacity there? We, we, we've got, believe it or not, planning should virtually go through. It's been three and a half years changing the planning use from horses to grounds, but we have planning for 250 grounds on site in the stable complex. I think at the moment we've got about 150, 160, that sort of area. Well, that will, will be increasing the numbers of that very, very soon. So that's, that's interesting. And it's nice for the dogs. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So when do you hope that that'll be completed? Because that's that's a big, important move, actually, isn't it? Yeah, I think February the eighth. I think the meeting is at the council's main planning meeting. Uh, well, so we're not expecting any bad news with that. That should be straightforward planning and application. Uh, and we've, we've gone along with everything. We've done noise assessments. We've done everything the council's asked of us. Do you know what I mean? And we don't get that complaint, sir. You know, the dogs are, they, 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 they look a bit on site there, so it's good. 
That's great. And just out of interest, then, because obviously one of the things we discuss on the podcast a lot is about new trainers up and coming and the space for them available. Are those kennels all going to be taken or, or will there be any opportunities for new trainers to come in who want to set up and, and have the opportunity to train dogs at your tracks? I'm always, I'm always keen to set new trainers up and there's, there's quite a few trainers now wanting to go in there. Again, we'll look at what space there is and who we need to put in there, basically. I mean, I know, obviously, uh, Graham Payne from Henlow. Obviously, when Henlow closes, Graham's at the kennels on site there at Henlow. He's going to go in part of the stable block. So, he'll go there and have a facility for about 50 dogs. So, uh, but I took some kennels over at Surrey. Uh, there was Jason Foster's kennels. Nick D's, he trains out of there. So, I've took them over. took them over back in December. Uh, and I've, I've set up a new guy called Tony Walsh. His own dogs for years used to run it. His dogs used to run at Crayford. I think he had dogs with uh, Julie Lockhurst. So Tony's just got his license. He's never trained dogs in his life. He's got a license. I've got him a kennel facility for, I think he can get 25 dogs, beautiful kennels. Uh, and he's got 15 in there now. He had his first trials last night at Oxford. And he's buzzing. And it's great. It's, it's so nice. I mean, I think back in the day when I took the kennels over at Heckington and we, we invested a lot of money in the kennels at Heckington for Jason Ray. And, and Jason's doing a great job for us now. And he, and he loves it there. And he's got, I don't know, 80 dogs there. So, again, a lovely facility. And it's so important to make sure you know, if you invest the money into kennels and that, you do it in a in a proper way. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And then moving on after Toaster then, we've got uh, the small matter of uh, Suffolk Downs and Oxford then. So, uh, talk us through talk us through those. I think a lot of this I blame Gordon Bissett on because he's, he's, he gets me to go to these places. And and then he's gone he now. To me, <laughs> oh, no, bless him, Gordon. And I remember once he, he rang me up, it was during lockdown, he says, oh, are we going to have a look at Oxford? So we went to, just come, just come out just come out of lockdown and we've gone to Oxford, I think it was, must have been October 2020. And uh, it's deadly. You can't take me to an abandoned ground track. It's like... It's terrible stuff. And uh, we come here, it's derelict, it's overgrown, the grandstands all been, you know, trashed. It, it was horrendous. The, the kennels were not fit for nothing. Uh, you go downstairs in, in the, where the sports bar is, it was full of water, it was pitch black. It was a complete car crash. The whole site was like, yeah, it's terrible. And then within about 15 minutes, walk, walking around with Gordon, and I think Richard Brank was with as well, my brother, was like, this could work, this could work. And I'm thinking, and then Gordon said, well, you've got to build a kennels under the grandstand. I said, no, we can't do that. We'll build the kennels where they are now and make it a better kennel facility. And yeah, it's, yeah, it was a, Oxford was a big project because it was the whole site we had to do. You know, we probably invested two and a half million quid here, but it was, it's a lovely, it's a lovely stadium, Oxford. So Suffolk Downs, again, because we knew what was coming up in 2024, we needed more tracks. Uh, obviously, was always mindful about the Henlow situation, even though we was confident of keeping Henlow. So it's important, really, we, we went to four tracks, and if we lost Henlow, we got three, and we can still be strong. Uh, and again, Suffolk Downs, just got a nice little feel about it. It's, it's proper grassroots track. Uh, got some great trainers there who, who love going there, and it's like a little... Like a little community club when you go there, you know, all the trainers bring waffles and cakes and 
they all help each other and, it, and it's just nice it's and it's a lovely little safe track to put on so it's for what we needed as a business with that sort of daytime racing Suffolk Downs ticked all our boxes whereas on the other hand what I want you to do with Oxford is get back to basics as a promoter get people in and enjoy that side of it as well uh, and Oxford's you know Oxford's going really well for us we, you know we're doing six meetings a week here uh, I love the Speedway we've got the Speedway back here done that for two seasons now this year we've actually got three teams we've got a team in the Premier League Championship under Development League so you know, and we get big crowds for that, and it benefits the ground side. You know, uh, we're, we're trying to do more in the community. I'm sponsoring the match day at Oxford United on February the third against Reading. Afterwards, all the players are going to come to the dogs, and any supporter wearing their Oxford shirt or away supporters wearing their Reading shirt can turn up for the dogs on that Saturday night free of charge and come enjoy it. And it's it's them sort of things I like, and it's saying we're taking two of the speedway riders to the football match. So they'll have the motorbikes on at half time. Uh and look, when we when we open for speedway, I mean March 14, there'll be three and a half thousand people here, solo. I mean, it's 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 good that you can get them people then start coming to the ground, Mason. Yeah, that's what it's all about. And we we discussed it on New Year's Day, didn't we? And I think Ryan Keneally mentioned it as well on the last podcast about building that community at these tracks at Oxford. It's perfectly placed in the middle of houses. Um, you know, and building that community feel. And every time I go, and I go to Oxford quite regularly, it's busy. Do you know what I mean? It's buzzing. There's families yeah. there enjoying themselves. The track's perfect. I mean, you rarely see any big trouble at, at Oxford ever in, in in the racing. You know, the track the track's spot on. Yeah, it's great. We, I love what, going there. What we did, I mean, I think it's important. We it's, it's always important to have, have a good good grader that you can get your bends cambered nicely. Now Oxford. The dogs won them first two bends, lovely. It's got a lovely camera on it. And we spent 12 grand on this bit of kit uh, from Chandler's, and it's fantastic. It's so good to get the cameras. And the track staff do a great job here. And all our track, we have the same mindset. You know, we'll hire the track with the knees hiring. We'll tie pack it well, uh, but we'll water by hands. And at Oxford, I don't know if you know, it's a little diddy cart we put around. It's a great little bit of kit. It's not heavy. It's not like using a big tractor and bowser. It's a little car. It puts on 2,000 litres of water in one lap and it spreads it evenly. And you think in the summer, we'll water by hand and put 30, 40,000 litres of water on a truck. And then we top up with a diddy car and it, and it works perfectly. And it's it's one of the things which is so important. The tracks always comes first. The preparation of the track is essential. One, we want to keep a healthy grade of strength, but we don't want dogs getting injured. So it's so important that we, we do the right things with the truck. Yeah, absolutely. And what, what plans do you have with the distract um this year? Obviously, you've got the TV trophy for the next two years. This year, it will be at Oxford, which is great news. Um, have you got any big plans for that? And just, just generally, any enhancements or upgrades or anything that you can tell listeners about? Yeah, I mean, I think the TV trophy is 16th for, 16th for March. Uh, and we're doing a big St. Patrick's Day at uh, Oxford anyway. And... Uh, yeah, we've got an Irish band booked. And we just, yeah, we'll do some right good deals and just get people in. You can't beat Oxford or any track you go to when it's really busy, you know. And it's, I think this year, especially for Toaster, it's one thing I noticed you asked me a question in that email about doing more at Toaster regarding like marketing and this, that, and the other. And that's so important that Toaster needs to be marketed better. You know, this year, Derby, yeah, last year was a good crowd. 
semi-finals back. The heats was good, but it can be better still, you know. And I'd like to think this year for the derby, we can get a minimum of five thousand people in there. Do you know what I mean that? That's what it needs. So, but it's doing more online, doing more with the social media stuff. Like I, don't, I ain't got a clue with social media. I don't go on social media. I know it's just I just put my team on putting in place to do that. Hopefully, we'll do a good job for this year's derby. I know the lads, 42, do Sean Reynolds. They do a great job for me at Oxford. Uh, so, we're always putting out positive stuff at Oxford. But, we again, we need to do more at Toaster and start getting more positive things out there and, and, and to attract bigger crowds there. Yeah, absolutely. And just you're just referring to, I'll give them a shout out, Greyhound Racing Ownership on social media asked that question about Toast. I know they've got, they have runners there on the, on the graded as well, but obviously everyone wants to see the... The derby promoted and, and pushed and you're getting good crowds. So, I mean, you've, you've got it for two more years now. Um, what plans have you got for the for the derby this year? Um, and then also, just will you be trying to keep the derby after, you know, 2026 and beyond? We've done what we've done for the last three years with the derby. Obviously, the first year was, you know, social distancing and all that. And it's like, but now we've, we always listen to people and people like the big stage, they like the big stage, the live bands. So what we're doing this year is, we're putting a big stage on the, the lawn area near the, the outside bar. We've got six or seven live bands we're going to bring in. They'll start from two o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, go on straight away after racing till probably 11 o'clock, 11.30 outside. And then we'll have a DJ inside. So it'll be you know, two o'clock, two o'clock in uh, the afternoon till probably two, three at night. I'm sure me and Mr. Fortune will be the last two people there again. But yeah, it's, it's, it's all good stuff. Uh, right. But he, Gives it more. People like live music. Uh, we've got like again. We've booked an Irish band as well. Who we'll put on straight after the last race and just have a good crack with it all. Do you know what I mean? It's you got to enjoy it, Joe. You got to really enjoy it, and and I think that's the best way of doing an English derby. Make it more of a festival atmosphere that people's turning up. It's it's vibrant. There's music. Everyone's smiling, having a crack, and that's it. I mean, the other thing I'd like to do this year, and it's something which we're looking at now, is putting in up to straight racing on the horse course. That's something we're looking at. I think it's something, again, with Henlow closing, we can take a lot of stuff from Henlow and put on the horse course and, and have a grass track up to straight. So that's something we'd like to get sorted for this year. And again, that'd be a great spectacle. Yeah. So, yeah, we've, we've, got, we've got a few ideas. Eh? Stiff finish up that hill. Oh, great finish. But you put 250 metre up that hill... That'd be a great spectacle. Yeah. And you're close to the action as well. I mean, people yeah. always moan, oh, Toast is too far away. Well, seriously, we've got a big screen there. It ain't that far away, really. But if you put something on the horse course, you are next to it. Yeah, yeah, interesting. And what about, it's just an idea that's come to my head, if you wear an Animal Rising t-shirt, you're getting free. Brilliant, isn't it? Aye, aye. <laughs> they're, they're legends, aren't they? Aye. It's just nonsense, honestly. Absolutely, I don't know. It, absolute nonsense. I mean, the, the, the court case, especially on the 7th or 8th of February, I can't attend, and the, the police say, well, if you don't attend, then I don't think we can prosecute them. I mean, it's just, just ridiculous. I mean, these people, all the the aggravation, of course. I mean, you think last year we had 50, 60 police on site. We had 40 more security lads there, just for a load of idiots. Do you know what I mean? And that's what they are, just idiots. And they ain't got a clue. It, it's, if you're going to demonstrate something or protest against something, have your facts, have your opinion, but we ain't got a clue on why you're there. You're just there because someone's paid you two grand. Seriously, you know. 
Well, on that, actually, you, you're quite vocal against the anti-Greyhound racing fraternity um, and, you know, putting out press releases and stuff like that and obviously working in conjunction with, with Fortitude and, and Sean to get the message out. Is that something that's, you know, really important to you to counter those those anti-racing sentiments? There's no worse when you see a lot of crap on social media in paper. I mean, Blue Cross saying, this band ground racing, are you serious? Why? With, with the reason, if you're going to say something, have proper facts behind what you say. And, and yeah, if there's an argument, there's an argument. But it's just nonsense what these people say. That's what winds me up. I mean, we care passionately about our grounds, and it's so important. And, and, the, and the sport has stepped up over the years. Don't get me wrong, 10 years ago, I don't think the sport was never near one properly. But now we've all stepped up. The, the whole industry stepped up. There's money for dogs when they get retired. There's money for operations. There's there's no excuse to ever put a dog down. So I know sometimes with a bad accident, it happens. But that's part of our sport. And most sports, you know, you'll, you'll get injuries. But for these people to keep making all these false accusations, it, it just winds me up. And it's not, and I was like, we have not been tired. We invite Blue Cross here all the time. Anybody can come to any of our tracks. They can come to any of our trainers. We'll show them around. We'll educate them. This is what we do. But they don't want to listen to it. because Has anyone ever taken you up on that invitation? No. Well, no. No one's no one's taken us up. So, and we, a lot of them, we've begged. I mean, I know Sean's done loads of stuff at Oxford, asking the Blue Cross time and time and time again. You know, come here. Uh, where their centre is, it's only about a mile from Kevin Horton's kennels. And again, Kevin said many a time, just come see us. You know, they don't want to see it because they don't want to see that we actually do care about our grounds. We do the best for our grounds. Do you mm. know what I mean? And they don't want to see that side of it. They'd rather just have the silly little board, you bet they die. I mean, seriously. I mean, that is so outdated crap and nonsense, honestly. It, it, it winds up about us because I say we do care passionately about our sport. And ultimately, the, the dogs are the star of the show. And it's so important they always look after one. Absolutely, yeah. And, it, and it's good to see a, a promoter and, and that um, sort of speaking out about it because um, there's a lot, lot that don't. I mean, we all try our best on social media to counter that. But, you, but you're um, banging your head against the brick wall a lot of the time. You know, these people use welfare as a, a smoke screen to just want to ban the sport. They've no interest in, in welfare, really, or increasing welfare because welfare is improving, looking at the stats year on year. But you never, you, you never hear that. And like you said, the fact that they're not willing to even go to the tracks or go to a trainer's to, to have a look, I think says it says it all, doesn't it? Because they're frightened that they won't think, like what they see and it won't fit their narrative. I think a lot of these charities, I mean, obviously Kobe was a, a period of everybody's life where they all seemed to get pets. And then coming out of COVID, a lot of people got bored with pets, could have won at home anymore. And that caused a massive problem for, you know, your Blue Cross and all these organisations. I mean, how many dogs have they put to sleep in the last two or three years? It'd be it'd be shocking. I'd, I'd hate even to imagine, but it'd be absolutely shocking. So because of what's happened in society over the last three years, then they want to do a phony garbage marketing campaign, which probably cost them in excess of 150 grand to ban ground racing. But what? What for? To raise money? Well, I know a lot of people who donated to the Blue Cross and I've had some semi-letters at Oxford. They've stopped their donation, though, because it's absolute garbage what they did, and they just wasted 150 grand. It's not my fault. It's not grounds racing's fault that all their centres are full of people's pets. You know, you can't 
target a sport and try to raise loads of money by targeting a sport when you've got all your facts wrong. So get your facts right. And we've said to them many times, come along and we'll speak to you. Nothing. They never, ever do anything. And, and, I mean, and it's just shambolic. Yeah, I mean, there's been direct um, invites, haven't there? I think there was a radio interview, wasn't there, where someone at the Blue Cross agreed to, oh, well, to come down and then yeah, that's not... Yeah, well, I, can't, I can't think of a name now. And, and I, I said, come along. She said, oh, thank you, Kevin. I will do. I went, seriously, you're going to come? Oh, I didn't mean sighted yet. Yeah, bloody hell. And, like, and she lives like five miles away. So it's not as though, you know, just... just. I remember once they put this uh, billboard up in Oxford somewhere, a great big billboard, and it was, it was terrible. Uh, and unfortunately, someone took it down. And then they wanted to sue us for damage to their billboard. You know, and it's, oh dear, and the, the, the crap on this billboard, it was, it was horrific, it's terrible. You know, just more blatant lies. Yeah. I don't think that'll ever end, unfortunately, but you've got to do your best to counter them where you, where you can, yeah. haven't you? So, uh, um, just look on the, on the last bit on the promotion side of things, Kevin, like what like, we was chatting off before the podcast about how these were a bit of a crossroads at the moment, with ground races, a lot going on and it's a big six months of the sport, but what are your biggest challenges at the moment with, with your business and, and, the, and the tracks? Uh, obviously it's important to keep a strength up. We're not too bad at the tracks. I mean, obviously, Henlow closes Sunday. There's about 60 graders there. We'll go over to Toaster. But I think working with SIS, they're more flexible this year that if we've got a 10-race card, it's a 10-race card. It's If we've got a 12-race card, it's a 12-race card. So I don't want to put pressure on my racing officers to keep putting dogs out every four or five days. And it's pleasing that we have got a big strength at Oxford, and ultimately, if we can do 16, 17 meetings a week, that's fine for us. Do you know what I mean? We know when the derby starts, we'll, we'll be busy with the derby, so some of the graders will have to go run at Oxford and that. But I suppose challenging-wise, it's just doing the same things year in, year out, week in, week out with your tracks. I mean, the lads, we've got some good lads at Oxford and Toaster. Suffolk Downs, we've had problems with staffing there. It's the middle of nowhere. But we're getting there with a team there now. Uh getting them used to things. It's like opening tracks. The biggest problem when you open a track up, you need staff who understand what you've got to do. And if you go around to a lot of these tracks, like you go to Crayford, you'll see the same track staff there, been there for donkey's years. But when you open new venues, you need a new team. And it's it's completely different understanding how to hire a track, how to tie a pack a track. When it's winter conditions that you need to put 15 bags of salt on top of your track, you've got to hire it in, then you've got to tie a pack it. Tire packing is so important. If you don't tire pack a track enough, it'll start off being 60 slow, 70 slow. But then once you seal it, then you've got to put a little bit of salt on top to protect it from freezing at night time. So there's so many challenges with prepping tracks, but it's educating people. And you don't learn it overnight. So that's been one of our biggest challenges in opening these tracks and getting the right staff at them, them tracks from day one to make sure they understand the racing side of it. And we're, and we're getting there now. It's been hard work and a lot of seriously. He really done that. I mean, sometimes, but that staff staff, you know. And obviously, our biggest challenge was last year when I bought them six sets of wonderful traps, which give me loads of trauma in my life. But yeah, it is what it is. And the <laughs> I wasn't going to mention the that. traps, but oh no, that mine. I'm open and honest for anything. Ask me anything. I, 
And I, I spent 60 grand on these traps, right? Thinking job done. Got all these nice, shiny new traps. And the problem was, it wasn't broken. It wasn't made properly. And I think it's the weight what caused it to be so inconsistent. And there was, look, every time I went back to the manufacturers and says, you know, you've messed up here. You, oh, no, they work fine. But they didn't work fine. They were so inconsistent. But you couldn't fix them. And I think the biggest problem was because of the, the weight of the traps. There was thin, there wasn't you no know, substance to them. And that's why they're just so inconsistent, you know. And, oh, that was horrific, that was. I used to drive me absolute nuts, that did. And go, oh, them traps, they're hurting. Ah, oh, dear. It's unbelievable, but anyway. You, yeah, you, I mean, it wasn't you, good, was it? I mean, we had some, you know, running out of there. And honestly, there were times where I thought, I don't know oh, if I horrific. want my dog running it, out of them at the moment. Do you know what I mean? But if take the trainer's um, advice on them, and it was, it was tough. I know, but the worst thing, put yourself in my shoes, there's something I could do. I couldn't get any more made. Gavin Smith couldn't make any. In the end, we was that paranoid, we couldn't find anybody out there to make a set of traps. No other trap would help us. We approached, we know there was sets of traps at different stadiums. I'm not going to mention names, but it's not rocket science to work out where there was. They never used these traps. We offered to buy them. No one helped us, right? So all of a sudden, we've got these six sets of traps, of which three we've still never used. We're going to scrap them. They're worth back 200 with a set of traps. Uh, and all of a sudden, we're thinking, right, shit, the derby. We've got the derby coming. We need a new set of boxes. So we made our own. Them derby traps is what we did ourselves. It took us months to make them uh, because there's nobody out there to do it. I mean, obviously, since we've made them sets of traps at Toaster, Gavin Smith has uh, made us two new sets of Oxford and up and over really good traps. But that was a challenge. There's nobody there who could. So you got a problem with your traps? We we could do. What I mean, what do you do? We can't just go to Tesco's. Oh, they have two sets of traps today, please. There ain't any. And and people's like, oh, I know they say I'm gonna want my dogs there. How do you sort it? You know, how do you sort it? And it was so frustrating. And I was on the phone every second day to the manufacturers. You need to get your ass to Oxford and look at these traps. It ain't acceptable. I paid you all this money, and these traps ain't working. And he's come the odd time, test them, but they're working. I said, no, but they're inconsistent. And it was, I was so happy the day we took them out. I celebrated, because it was that pain in my life went away. And I remember for one of the finals there, we took the set of traps from Henlow to Toaster, uh, to Oxford, for one night out, you remember? Hump yeah, cup, wasn't it? Just, yeah. It's called Paranoia. But we've got a we got a lorry, picked the traps up from Henlo and brought them to Oxford just for one night only because we had peace of mind that they would work. Because trust us, we, we are dog people, right? We yeah. are passionate about our greyhounds, and that was traumatic. I used to go to bed at night, all I was thinking about was traps, and it wasn't good. I was waking up in the morning thinking about traps. I used to stalk this guy at Wisbeach. I think in the end he blocked me. Because I you must do I must have done his edit. Because it won't it won't good enough. But what was the answer? We couldn't fix them because it wasn't broken. And that that was, oh, yeah. So, and everybody jumps on the bandwagon ah, 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 all the time. And yeah, but anyway. Are you happy now where you're at with the traps? So you sleeping at I'm night? Well, I'm happy. Look, I'm happy, but we can always look. Anything we always do in life, we can always be better with. And it's, it's just being more focused and improving what you do. And this year, we, we want to get more people in at our tracks, you know, especially Toaster and Oxford. 
and, and, and enjoy it. You know, it's end of the day, ground racing sometimes I've on the tracks and sometimes you think you need to enjoy it. You've got to enjoy what you're doing. And ground racing is a wonderful sport. It's it's brilliant. We've got the TV trophy. I love the TV trophy. I'm lucky that I've, I've won it before. But being, being a young kid, when I was eight years old, my dad used to, bless him, he's passed away now, but my dad used to always watch the sports night and the TV trophies on. So it was one event which always stuck in my head. And it was quite surreal when Savannah Winner won the TV trophy, I think, 2017 at Crayford. It was a fantastic moment. You know, brilliant. And I, I love that spectacle. I mean, obviously a late space jet. I'm sure she'll make it, she'll be back uh, this year. It'd be a fantastic spectacle. I, I love the TV trophy. And I was I was happy to know the tracks went for it. Surprise. But I was all over it. We'll, we'll do it. I'll do it every year. I think it's brilliant TV trophy. And I want to encourage more people to put the dogs over the mouth and the thing was I mean, six Ben Race and eight Ben Race is fantastic. Do you think you're a bitch? How much pleasure you've had, Joe, you're a bitch, Lauren. Do you know what I mean? It, yeah. it's, you can't beat them six Ben races, eight Ben races, and that, and that sort of test. And there's no better than watching dogs come from last to first. Well, that's yeah. the difference, isn't it? I think, you know, the 450, 480 dogs obviously do come from the back, but obviously if you're on the front, you've got a much higher percentage chance of winning, whereas the six and eight bends, dogs are coming from the back, you know, with the stamina kicking in. And it's just, as a spectacle, yeah. it's amazing to watch the dogs do their thing on the on, over the longer trips. Oh, yeah. And I'll, and I'll say I'm, I'm well excited for this. And the same with me, not buying dogs. I always make sure that I've got a couple of marathon dogs or, you know, I was very fortunate with Savannah Volcano. She was a great bitch for us. She's had two little pups now and, and she was a little superstar. You know, when she won the Durando behind the world a couple of years ago at the Derby, what a buzz that gives you. You know, not only are you staging the English Derby, but you're winning like a Durando on that card. It's, it's, it doesn't get that better. I mean, that was brilliant. Hi guys, Jade here from the Adachi Retired Greyhounds. We set up the Adachi Retired Greyhounds about a year ago as a platform to showcase retired greyhounds from our kennel. We are on all social media platforms, X, which obviously previously was Twitter, Instagram and on Facebook. We have a a new group that we've just set up, uh, making it easier for the public and members of the group to share their stories and updates on the retired greyhounds. We also pop on there any dogs that are available for adoption from our kennel. Um, Please feel free to go and have a look and um, we welcome any participants to get involved and participate. Um, We love seeing the retired greyhounds and what they get up to in their retired life. Many thanks.
that brings us on really nicely to the to the owner part of it then, Kevin. I mean, uh, you're a big owner. I think you're probably the biggest owner in the sport, certainly one of them. Um, is it something you still enjoy? Oh, clearly you do. Um, what are your plans for 2024? I'm deadly, but never take me to a sale. I'm, I'm deadly. I can't help myself. I've seen you at a sale at Monmore a few years ago. Oh, I remember. I remember when we first obviously went onto the SIS service, and uh, obviously it, at the time was it was doing seven three or four dog races on a Saturday night at Henlow, and within like two months we was having to race four meetings a week for SIS. And I went to a sales at Thurley's, I think it was in October two thousand seventeen, whenever it was, and I got there, and somebody said to me, "Oh." You've got to be careful today, Kev. The, the Spanish are here. The Spanish are buying a lot of dogs from the old sales and taking them over to Spain. Uh, I said, it's all right. I'll sort that out. The first 25 dogs that come on the bench, I bought all 25. <laughs> These Spanish people just left. And it's, but I, I, I bought so many good dogs from the old sales. I mean, Savannah, where there are loads of them. Because uh, you get the value. And even like now, I love buying these, these young pups. And don't get me wrong. I love seeing a fast dog. I mean, uh, we, we just purchased Clown and Curly. That's all right. You know, when I saw him, he's doing 28, 10 round show, he's not even coming out of the boxes. I mean, he's got a blistering back straight pace. Them dogs really excite me because I love running at the high end. And it's so difficult now. To win a Cat 1 is very, very difficult. And a lot of owners, I've never won a Cat 1. And I say to him, I was second 10 times before I won one. And I was lucky one day I won two, one day at Clayford, which was unbelievable uh but it's it's not easy to win cat ones and it's the that's the one good thing with the sport now we have 54 cat ones a year so that is a big tick for me it's so good that we're doing the high end level of racing uh and and hopefully long may that continue uh because you can't beat the excitement of having a dog in a cat one it's, it's brilliant i'll say you was desperately unlucky the other week joe your boots but in a great yeah. final you know, great it's final, yeah, great race, great finish, great race, and and it's it's brilliant to see them sort of thing. You know, I went, I was with Nottingham uh, back in November for the Eclipse. You know, but I was so proud of my father, Bird. You know, even though he comes second, I, I was so chuffed. You know, he's run his race at half, and that's that's all you can ask for. And it gives me a lot of pleasure. Him coming second, it gave me a lot of pleasure because of the the, the big fellow. I mean, he's forty points, seven kilos, he's a big lump of a dog. But what a lovely dog he is. You know, and and it's. It makes me really happy with things like that. And I love having a nice team of dogs. And I always like Bo's being sensational in English Derby. Made a final last year, made a semi-final. When you have that journey in a Derby Derby, it is, trust me, surreal. I mean, I've never experienced it until I got Bo in the final. But it's like every week you just pray to be there the following week. You pray to be in the draw and you just want to... I've never cheered so much. When Bo, I think two years ago in a semi-final, come third, I'm shouting like a lunatic off the balcony. Like, like, like I was crazed. I'm coming third. But what it meant was unbelievable. And, and that journey from, you know, Derby lunch to the final, the build-up, it's just, you dream, don't you? You dream that you're going to win it. But the tech part, it was fantastic. And I, and I loved it. I, I loved that. And I, and I think it's brilliant. And, Everybody, and I'm sure this year's derby, I think, will be well oversubscribed. I think it'll be a fantastic derby this year. I think a lot of the Irish have already committed to me that they're going to come over and bring it on. It'd be brilliant. It's it's great for our sport. It's positive for our sport. But then sometimes I look at other sides of the sport, you can get a bit down in the dumps, but I like to be positive. I mean, I'm one of them people, 
you are what you are, but your positivity, everything in life, and people who get doom and gloom, I don't really have no time for. I can't be doing with that crap. Do you know what I mean? You, you've got to be positive and enjoy yourself. Uh, and that's why the dogs are a good distraction for me. I love owning the dogs. Uh, we've got some nice dogs coming through. And, yeah, I love it. I, I just... The pups, volcano pups. I mean, the first litter's 10 months old. The others, are, they're four weeks old. So they're exciting. You know, carrying on that volcano line was so important. Uh and I can't wait for them to get track next year. So, yeah. So in terms of breeding, and is it just those litters that you got? Have you got any other bitches that you're going to breed out of or, or are breeding out of? Are you going to get heavily involved in that side of things? You know what? I'm, I'm, I've got five retired dogs at home. And one of them, Savannah Runa, she won at Shelbourne. She won the gold cup at uh, gold collar at Crayford, and then she went at Shelbourne. And I've got Runa and a sister, Regera, at home with me. And last time she came in season, I thought I'd breed with her. But I can't send her anywhere because she's my pet. So I'd love to breed with her because she was so she was a superstar, Runa. I mean, she's gone, she's gone to Ireland and, and she wiped the floor clean with the Irish. I mean, they must have been well depressed. She won by half a track in the back garden. So and I, I just can't do it to her. I, I, I just, I, but then next minute, I think she was so good and she'd make a good, great woman. But you never say never. But for me, I, I don't even want to breed with them. Like Volcano was a superstar of a of a, of a bitch. She loved them mouth and thing. And yeah, Runa, she was top class six bends. And you know, she just got beaten the scent ledger. Uh it's one of them. But now she's been a pet. Do you know what I mean? It's difficult. I'll get a bit soppy with them. So one minute I think I'll breathe her, next minute I'm there. And then I've got a sister with Gera. She's like a little whippy player. So she's only 23 kilos, which is a lovely little thing. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, it's yeah, don't know. I always it's, think it's if you've difficult. got one that if you got one that good, you should continue the lines, at least have one, you know, one letter or two to continue well, no, I could, it. I couldn't I couldn't send it, I couldn't send them anywhere. Do you know what I mean? I mean if I had a litter of pups with her, I'd have to do them at my place because I couldn't send it. I couldn't send them anywhere. She'd be distraught leaving me. She spends every night on the bench next to me and I'm rubbing the tummy every night. So I can't I couldn't send it to Ireland. Do you know what I mean? She'd be horrified. So yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Do you, do you, can you give the listeners a couple of uh, pups or young dogs that you've got this year that, that are coming through that, you, that you're excited about? Oh, I think I think the two the two dogs that excite me and, and one I got with Lee Cole, but uh, again, bought him, uh, it was called Realising That in Ireland. He won race over the 750, did 41.39, showed one, only a 22 puppy. Uh, Lee's nickname's Jackpot, so we call him Savannah Jackpot. He looks very exciting. I mean, he trialed the other day. Did, were, I, did I see? He trialed the other day. He trialed the other day at Toaster. Completely yeah, yeah. worn. I bear in mind, he, this dog needs six to eight bends. He stays forever. Uh, he did sixteen oh two, and he's been left. He fell asleep in the boxes. He, he's very exciting because he stays, and it'd be quite different for me to actually have a dog what leads over a mouth. And normally, I'm a mile back. Uh, so he's very exciting. Where we, I think he'd be aimed for the golden jacket and then TV trophy, but he's very exciting. And obviously, the other fellow is a cloner curly. I think he's going for trial at Monmore tomorrow. But then I think we'll go to uh, Newcastle for the puppy job and then Monmore puppy derby in March. But again, he's a seriously fast dog. You know, he doesn't trap, but he's he's one of them. He can weave in and out and. You know, he's doing he's done some funny ones in Ireland. He's only had five aces, but he's he's looks a right good dog. And again, 
ultimately then he'll, he'll go to Toaster for the derby. So he's exciting. He's in April 22. And yeah, so they're the two which I look forward to this year. And keep, keep an eye on that. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing how I step up to the marathon. I mean, he's only had one marathon at Sheffield. He won about 12, 14 lengths. He, he's a different dog on the bunny. So he'd be interested in the TV trophy being stepped up. Uh, Jazz will step up to the to the marathon trip as well. So TV trophy is going to be right good this year. I can't wait for the TV trophy. Do you know? I mean, there's, you know, Matt Wallace got a very strong team, Gaffney Blaze. But then you got Space. I know she's getting on a bit, but she's class. Pure class. So it's going to be, you know, TV trophy, Matt, so I'm get yourself to Oxford. It would be brilliant. Absolutely. And it, is it Cheltenham week as well? So you try and get some of the, the race crowd down. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important that we do something like that to Cheltenham week. Uh, yeah. So, you know, we'll, we should definitely do the best we can to get more people in there. Happy days. Yeah. Looking forward to that. And what, what do you think of like the, uh, the owner experience in general at the moment at tracks, you know, well at your tracks, obviously, but, but just generally, you know, what, what's, what do you think being an owner's like? Because again, you know, we're looking at sort of GTV and what may or may not happen with that, you know, and people like watching their dogs on the, on the telly and having presenters talk about them and stuff. And then obviously premier ground racing and that, and, and also on the track, you know, what, what, you know, I've seen people moaning about not being able to get in for free to see their dogs running and stuff like that. So what's your take on it all? Well, certainly my take you should be able to get in for free if you've got a dog with it. I mean, I think that's what we do. If, if not, my staff's not doing the job properly. So I know Oxford, I think you get a card at Oxford, don't you? They, they do the cards or whatever. I've always uh, just walked up to the... Well, you do. You're Joe Andrews, aren't you? So you just walk in <laughs> and we just let you in and we've got, you know... Well, my name so, is on but... the thing, to be fair, at least I could say it's me. So. <laughs> you know who I am. Yeah, I know, yeah. So, look, we could always do more. And it's one thing, you know, I go horse racing sometimes. I've got uh, horses. and But then I, I love the experience of going horse racing. Is it massively different to ground racing? Yeah, you, they do give you a meal. It's not really the best, but they do give you a meal. But I love people go horse racing, watch me horse. I always get a box and have the crack. I love the day out of horse racing. Do you know what I mean? I think we, I think we need to make owners feel more special. I think GTV is a big part of ownership this day and age, uh, especially like I mean, you look look tonight. Whether tonight's minus two, minus three at Toaster, you can stay at home and watch it, or you go to Toaster and absolutely freezing nuts off. Do you know what I mean it's the people will stay at home? So GTV is important going forward that that's protected, uh, and people can still watch the dogs on the telly. But yeah, we we definitely as as tracks, we definitely need to do more for the owner experience. You know, I tried. You know, Toaster, I remember last year, I think it was last year, I used to do a, an owner's buffet, but nobody could take it up. And I'm like, you can come to Toaster, have a buffet free of charge on me, in a box, and watch your dog. And we'd be lucky to get 10 people to take it up. And I couldn't understand it, because it's all free. I get Toaster sometimes out of the way. So if you're travelling, you might, again, you might just stay at home and watch it on GTV, and you? But... You know, I've, I've tried different initiatives. I mean, if anybody's got ideas what we ought to be doing, feel free to email it into us and we'll look at it. I mean, it is important that we do look after our owners better. I totally agree with that. And I'm, I'm owner myself, so I relate to an owner. So, yeah, more more can always be done, Joe, on that, definitely. Yeah, I think, 
you just something you said earlier about the get making the finals and stuff like that. I just for me personally as an owner, like having people the build up to the big events is just as good as the event. It's how like anything can happen in on any given day in a Greyhound race. We all know that. But oh, but the week and the build up yeah. to like a semi final final, people talking about your dog, people writing in the press about you know previewing the race. I love oh. reading all that and seeing it and being a part of that as an owner. That that's really important. And without that. Um, you know, without the telly and the coverage and the journalists, you know, covering events and t- tipsters, even you know, stuff like that. What yeah. to me that that is 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 bad. I mean, that's when the sport doesn't isn't really a sport anymore. It's it's bookie fodder, like. No, and let's face it. I mean, look, we all have opinions, and that's a beauty with ground racing. Everyone's got a different opinion, and it's great to talk about ground racing because everybody, you know, me, you will probably talk about dogs. We'll probably totally disagree on things, but that's about having an opinion, isn't it? And that's the beauty of ground racing. Everyone's got a different opinion. The, the Greyhound television is really good because lots like you have presenters, you can send questions in and, you know, when they come on track with the cameras and how it's good and, you know, when owners get interviewed out of track, they love it. You know, some owners, he's like, I've just been on telly. And it, it gives them a buzz and it's, you know, they talk about the dog, it's their superstar and it adds everything to it. So, you know, as, as an industry, we need to make sure GTV is protected, definitely. Because uh, it's, I'll tell you that, with Bo, when he got to that dab, I think I was worn out by the time the final went off. I mean, I, I won it about 200 times that week in my head anyway. And you know what? Even though he come last in the final, I was so chuffed. I had a little tear in my eye. It, it was brilliant. And it was, oh, it's fantastic. It, it, it was, it's a great experience. And, you know, to, to yeah, I've won cap ones and I've been last in the derby final. They're all brilliant. All fantastic. You all enjoy it. And it's, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Sure. And the aim is to win more. You know, it's like, you know, I like think I've got four or five dogs for the Derby this year because I want to win the Derby. But it's going to take some winning. Oh, that will, will take some winning this year. And it, it'd be great to put on one of the best Derbys for years. And I think we can do that. I think the entry would be so strong. I'm sure the Irish would go from 30 to 40 entries to 60 to 70. Well, their Derby's a bit some... later this year, isn't it, as well? So it like it fits yeah, in a little bit better. Really well. Yeah, so that's going to be, oh, there's going to be so many fast dogs at Toaster. I love it. Them six weeks of that, that first round Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Oh, it's brilliant. You can't beat fast dogs running, taking yeah. off down the back, middle pace. Wow, it's, it's brilliant. I love it. it, it it's 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 fantastic staging this derby. Um, I'm sometimes doing a derby, I always, I, I, it's the best six weeks a year for me watching these fast grounds run. It's brilliant. And also, it's a, it's a shot window, isn't it, to the to your people as sort of you know maybe a very casual interest in ground racing or no interest. It's that shot window. These are the best dogs. This is the best event. You know, this is the prize money that you can win. That's when you can try and get new fans in. Yeah, that's one thing where I'm keen to like. If you look at like last year's derby attendance, everybody barring them wonderful fifteen people from the activists was all greyhound fanatics. I mean, one of them is a group of five M pay. It was obviously the wrong hand part, and it was protesters, but it's that's the important thing this year. Like Oxford last year, I remember Bank Holiday Monday last year. I said, What we'll do, we'll give away a free beer or a free soft drink and free admission just to get new people in. Well, we have 1,500 people here. It was brilliant to give away all them free drinks. The amount of new people, the amount of new families turned up, and they've been back since. And that's the thing with the ground out this year. We need to get more of the public to come who's never been ground racing, especially, you know, the spectacle of the final, you know, big stage, uh, live music, festival feel, you know, 
that's when you want to be promoting your sport and getting more people involved in it. Yeah. So I can't wait. I can't wait for you to do a turn on the stage, Joe. We'll get you on there. I have got some. I used to DJ actually. I've got some. Oh, I've got DJ. my vinyl in the attic. We'll come down. DJ Joe. Hey? A little bit, of, a little bit of garage and a bit of grime. Do you fancy it? Oh, a bit of garage. Yeah, I thought you'd do garage now, mate, to that, mate. No. <laughs> Not the old garage, no. Okay, uh, well, I'll, I'll leave them up in the attic there. Even I'm going to interject here. As you can tell, my voice is gone completely, but Joe, no garage. No garage. <laughs> That's disgusting. <laughs> okay, well, look, moving swiftly on, what have you been your favourite greyhounds over the years to watch, Kevin, um, like recent times and, and in the past, and not ones that you own? Obviously, you've got to say Space Jet. Uh, West Mead or, or, or will always be one of the favourite dogs I've seen. Uh, so, yeah, that, that I've seen some fantastic dogs around Henlow uh, over the years. Uh I always remember one of Derek Law's form dog called Rafani Fitz. He was he did a clock at Henlow years ago. He was very fast. I remember one of Kevin Hutton's hitting the scene at Henlow in the maiden 550 cop uh, airport captain. Big white and blue dog, I think he was. What a fast dog he was. Just 3310 or 33 or something. And then he went to Wonford and won the big competition there the following week. So I've been lucky, I've seen a lot of fast dogs and yeah. I always love that marathon, but you can't beat a, a four-bend dog when you see its middle pace and the back straight. So, yeah, it's... it's Yeah, I've, it's hard to put your finger on what's the fastest dog you've ever seen. I think Westmead or from a track staff, uh, track perspective as what a brainier than him. You know, it's sensational how he used to run. And I suppose when I first took over at Henlow, it was so nice. Nick Savvy used to bring these pups through. You know, he's bring the trial in 28.30 or start A5, A6. But in three or four ones, it was all winning made and opens and opens. Unbelievable, this. And how fast it was. It, it's Westmead Lord. Watching Westmead Lord at Henlow, leading six lengths down the back straight, getting picked up, cramped solid. Everybody kept saying he doesn't stay. He went to Wimbledon, never won a heat or a round of the Then he won the final. You know, it's, it's, again, staggering Westmead Lord. How he got him home that night, I should never know. You know, it's so, yeah, I've been lucky. Been very lucky, seen a lot of very good dogs and a lot of good bitches. So it, it's been, yeah, I've loved it. Yeah. And then, look, there's, there's clearly a shortage of dogs at the moment, isn't there? I mean, anyone following the sport can see that. What's the answer? Well, the answer was certainly protect the eye end of the sport, which... I think we've done with 54 cat ones. You need a successful English derby as well. Because obviously breeders are stopping breeding in Ireland. I mean, the figures have been down again last year with breeding litters. Uh, it's difficult to say what the answer is. I mean, as regards to tracks, you always need to prepare your tracks properly and make sure you don't get the injuries. We're not, as a business ourselves, we're not seeing the shortage in what we're doing as such. I mean, obviously, you can always put more races on because there's more slots available to put more races on. But we're comfortable around the 16, 17 meetings a week. Uh, and some weeks, if we haven't quite got enough, we do 15 or 16 meetings a week. It's The industry as a whole, I don't know what the long-term answer is. It's all this media, right? Ball outs and... Uh, you know, I think Ark's doing what seven or eight meetings a day. 
how is that sustainable, Dano? The look at SIS doing a five, six metres a day. How is that sustainable? Well, it's sustainable for my tracks. Doncaster, they just do five, six meetings. They can sustain it. How they do six meetings. Yeah, Baddy's coming on board. They're doing a couple of meetings. It's, I don't know, it's, it's an interesting one, Joe. I mean, the one thing I don't want to suffer is ground racing the sport itself. That's the thing which, you know, with all these fallouts, all this nonsense you hear, I mean, ain't me funny. You can't even go into a laptop or a coal drop and get a bet on the English derby. You know, was the only meeting in the whole country, New Year's Day, you can't bet in cobbles or laptops. Seriously? It's 2024, God's sake. I mean, it's, I don't know. And I just hope people's falling out and media rights and everybody, everybody wants to have you over. I don't get it. It's a sport, something we love to do. Everybody wants to put you out of business. Everybody wants to do this and they come on, I mean, so. I'll let them get on with it. I don't get involved in all that nonsense. My own wheels, my own tracks, my own people I deal with, the trainers, the owners we have. And that's all you can do. We, we can then look after ourselves as staff and do what we do inside. We're in our own little bubble here at Racing. I don't worry about the rest of the, the world. I can't. Because if they could have me over, they'd have me over. Don't worry about that. If they could kick me out of business, but they would do. Let's face it. And that's where it's all wrong. Whereas, like, you know... You go around all these other tracks. How many passionate track owners is there out there? Not many. Not many. And that's a sad thing. Corporate companies don't really care about our sport. I'm telling you now. They don't care. They don't care like I do. They don't wake up at night time. If you've got an issue with somebody, they think, I must make sure that's right. They don't wake up thinking like that. And, and looking after the dolls and the care and everything. There's corporate people. And I hope they don't ruin our sport. Because that's the way... If you let them have their way, they'll ruin the sport. And we'll be in five, ten years' time in a very, very dark place. That's why you can't just have one person with the media, I think. Because you have one person, things will change, and all this fancy prize money will all go away. And it's not enough prize money, no, to be fair. But as a track, we can only pay what we pay. We can't compete with the per big purse strings from your entangs and your acts, you know. But if they get monopoly, you can't get the money what you're getting, no. So... You know, but ground racing as a whole needs to survive and flourish. And I just hope that all these internal battles with all these media art people sort yourselves out and we can get on what we enjoy doing. Winning ground tracks, enjoying the sport and promoting the sport. So it'd be it'd be interesting to have a conversation this time next year, Joe, and see where yeah. we are. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly, you know, as we end as 2024, as I said earlier, it really is, you know, a crucial time for the sport. There's a, there's a, there's been a big change, you know, from the, in the media rights world. There's a lot of rumours circulating. There's a lot of stuff going on. You know, all we want is for the sport to flourish. There's always rumours. Oh, there's always rumours. But... It's all the rumours. <laughs> dear, oh dear, I'll get told I don't pay trainers, I don't do this, I don't do that. I saw I'll that one the, the other day. Yeah, yeah, not paying, it's not paying not trainers. These, but these vile horrible little creeps on keyboards. Look, I'm the guy that go on social media, but these people who attack me and, and come up with all this crap and nonsense, you know what, you should be ashamed of yourself. It's not big or clever. You're not funny. I'm not going to give you a medal. I know I'd like to give you, but it's disgusting and it's vile. You're parasites. I can't be done with you, but you carry on. If it makes you feel big in your little keyboard, you carry on. But I find it disgusting and, it, and it's so wrong. And I'm looking at we have a lot of good trainers who are law to us and, and, and they're lovely people. And 
the people we deal with are good people. These parasites on the outside world looking in, always looking for an angle. Oh, booth for this, booth for that. Couldn't care less, mate. Keep trying. The only person you're affecting is yourself. You're nothing but morons and cretins and idiots. And that's it. But fire up your keyboard tonight and have a go. Because I don't give a damn. And I literally do not give a damn. And that's it. Rant over. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and my next question couldn't be... Uh, well, it's probably appropriate, actually, Kevin, because I was going to ask you, it's a flat-out job. What do you do to relax? I don't. I'll just... I don't Relax. I don't. I don't. I'm, I'm seven days a week. Saturday is the one day I like to spend a day at home with my dogs. I love my dogs a bit. So my, my, my five retires. Uh, I have a full-time dog sitter when I come out because obviously I live up near Nottingham, so I'm always travelling. And I love my little football betting on a Saturday afternoon. I pick all my hackers out and watch my football betting. I support Leeds for my sins, uh, but we ain't doing too bad this season. Uh, I, I do try to switch off sometimes, but it's difficult. We race every day, now, don't we? We're, yeah. we're constantly racing. I, I've always got my mobile on. I'm paranoid if something, if something goes on or whatever. But you know, it's it's, it's yeah. I'll just Sunday will be a sad day for me going to Henlow. It'll be a sad day to see Henlow closing. You know, it's it's always been very close to my heart, Henlow. So that'll be a sad day Sunday. But as a business, we need to move on. It's a shame we we did our best with forty for two years and. Again, just a load of nonsense while we lost the case. Just ridiculous. Uh, but you, you just move on from it. But, yeah, it's... I'm looking forward to this year's derby. Looking first thing is TV trophy. So, I suppose, chilling out, thinking about the doggers I've got for TV trophy. And it'd be a great spectacle. So, that that makes me happy in my own little world. Occasionally, I might want to probably watch a film, but very rare. You know what I mean? I'm always on my laptop, always doing stuff. You know what I mean? Always, there's always something to do. There's always, you know, soon we've got busy period with the Speedway of all kicking in. You know, it's never been done before. And that's, you know, that's what I enjoy about Speedway, right? We have people turn up, 2,000, 2,500 people. They come cheer the team. They're positive. They're not moaning. They're not effing and blinding. They're not backstabbing you on the internet. It is so nice. It is surreal. So nice to go to one of my stadiums and see people happy that you bought something back and they're loving it because their granddad used to come here years ago, their dad used to come here years ago. No, they're bringing their kids here or their grandchildren here and they're loving it. And 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 we're so lucky at Oxford, we've got some fantastic supporters here. And then people now are coming for the ground racing. But it's so nice to be involved in a sport where there's passionate people who appreciate what you do. Whereas ground racing, them horrible morons on these keyboards, they're not ground people. They're jokers. Jokers. That's all they are. Jokers. Go take up table tennis. Go knock table tennis. You ain't got a clue about ground racing. And that's that's the thing sometimes. Anytime it gets me, these idiots on there, they ain't got a clue. But it's so nice that we're lucky that, you know, I'm at Oxford today. I'll, I'll, once we finish this, I'll go out and start speaking to some of the trainers and there'll be a couple of owners here and have a crack with them. And that's what it's about, enjoying it. You know, people always quit to be moaning and doom and gloom. I mean, for me, come to Oxford 2019, it's a derelict site. No, it's vibrant. It's buzzing here. You know, we've, you know, 14th of March, there'll be three and a half thousand people here cheering Oxford Spires, a completely new team in the Premier League. It'll be on Eurosport in the Premier League. And then we've got the cheaters in the Championship. I mean, that's staggering. 
that we can do that. And the only reason we can do it is because of ground racing. If it wasn't for the dogs, there wouldn't be where to do the speedway. And, it, and the speedway people appreciate the ground racing, which has enabled us to do the speedway. And, and they're so, they love it. They're so positive. We get the volunteers to come in and help us. You know, even doing track work on the ground track, they'll come to help us. It's so nice. These speedway people buy into what we do with the dogs and help us. And that's why, you know, it gives me a lot of, I don't know, I feel happy when I come to places like Oxford and see what it means to people having this stadium open. Instead of people wanting to criticise you all the time. I mean, funny, I like people to go, I challenge anybody, go open three tracks up, go do it. They'll put you in a home or you'll end up getting a bit of rope. I'm telling you, you know, but I'm strong-minded and I've done it. Not fantasise about it, I've done it, right? But I enjoy it and it gives me a lot of satisfaction when I come here and I see the families here, I see everybody enjoying what we're all about. And that, that gives me a lot of satisfaction. Not money, couldn't care less about money. As long as I pay my bills, which apparently I don't, but I couldn't care less about all that. For me, it's running something which is, I'm passionate about ground racing. I love my speedway, to be fair. And it's so good when you see people coming in and cheering. And I mean, New Year's Day was brilliant. I, I loved that. Boxing Day was brilliant. You can't beat stadium. Even New Year's Eve at Toaster, we had a right big crowd downstairs. And it's so good when you get people in enjoying that sport in one of your stadiums. And that that's the important thing to me. And that gives me a lot of satisfaction. What a great note to end it on. Look, it's going to be a great 2024 TV trophy, Derby, these huge events are going to capture the imagination of, of everyone. And hopefully people that aren't fans will come racing, Oxford, Toaster, wherever it may be. So uh, I'm certainly excited about the year ahead. There's some other challenges, of course, but a lot of the challenges are out of your control as a, as a promoter and as an owner. And these things have just got to play out, haven't they, with with media rights and, yeah. and TV yeah. channels and stuff like that. So like you said earlier, you just got to keep doing what you're doing and to yeah. the best to the best of your ability and you know, crack on, isn't it? That's all you can do, Joe. That's all you can do. Keep smiling, mate. Keep smiling. Absolutely. Keep smiling. All right, Kevin. Well, look, Danny and yeah. I really appreciate you joining us. Danny, as you probably, as she said earlier, when she jumped in, has got a bad voice. So unfortunately, you had to listen to me asking the questions mainly this week. But Yeah, uh, sorry about that, everyone. <laughs> but Danny's, Danny's had it, so... Uh, She's keeping quiet. But Kevin, yeah, look, thanks thanks again for your time. Really appreciate it. Um, if you've ever got anything that you want to say, obviously, you know, Danny and I can can announce stuff on the podcast. You know, if you're doing anything at your tracks or, you know, any promotions, yeah. whatever, we're more than happy to to put them out there and let our listeners know what's going on. So, uh, and I definitely say, if you haven't already, get down to Oxford and, of course, get down to the Derby. Get down to the yeah, Derby, definitely. the Heat semi-finals, finals. Because I'm going to be DJing. DJ, DJ Joe, that'd be good. (laughs) Garage, oh dear, horrendous, absolutely horrendous. No, yeah, you'd clear the place, Joe. You'd clear it. You would clear the place. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) good stuff. All right, Kevin, well, look, all the best, and I'm sure we'll see you soon at the track. Okay, mate, brilliant. Thanks, top man. Thank you. so great to hear of Kevin's uh, thoughts about everything that's going on in the Greyhound world and also his plans for the future and I can't wait to hear the live bands as well and not Joe DJing at the Derby 
Are you a bit gutted about that, Joe? I'm very sad. I don't know why people don't like UK Garage anymore. <laughs> or Grime. Have they ever? <laughs> yes. Oh, of course okay. they have. <laughs> okay. Okay, well, Especially maybe... Especially when I'm DJing, they bloody loved it. Well, maybe you can do it at, like, maybe at the quarterfinals or something like that. Or no, one of the fine. first rounds. I know where I'm not wanted. Let's move on. <laughs> right, let's move on to what we've got this weekend. On Friday evening... We have the Essex Vars semi-finals. I will just give them a mention. The reason we're not covering them is because I can't speak very well. So we're just going to focus in on the finals for this weekend. Uh, Saturday, we have got the uh, BGBF British Bread Puppy Cup final bit of a lunchtime treat at Oxford. Got Trap 1, Keyfield Goose, 2, Romeo Cypher, 3, Keyfield Maverick, Four Union Blizzard, five Beach Bull, and six Union Rebel. Two of the uh, Top Gun litter from our interview with Phil Milner have made it to the British Bread Puppy Cup final. Great to see. But I thought the two big guns potentially here, Joe, were Romeo Cypher and Keyfield Maverick going portable once again. Yeah, for sure. I've, I've had an anti-post bet. I had a decent anti-post bet each way on Maverick at six to one at the start of the competition. Um I'm obviously hoping he can win. That'll be nice. It's um, you know, it's 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 Maldives or Macclesfield on holiday this year, that sort of thing. So uh, <laughs> um, he's got a great chat. The draw is not ideal. I would rather he was on the other side of of Cipher. That is the only question mark, and hence the prices for the final five to four, six to four in favour of, of Romeo Cypher. Um, he's got a ping out. He he, he got out well last week, um, but he's got a great chance. He's a really good dog, isn't he? And Romeo Cypher is a top pop as well. Um, Goose, you know, Keyfield Goose in track one has got a nice draw, so I wouldn't rule him out. Um, but I'm just hoping that that Maverick can win. Look, I've got, as I said, I've already backed him. Um, I've just, I like him. I've, I've had a little anti-post bet on him for the Derby at 100 to 1 as well. Because what he's doing at the moment, he's so inexperienced and he's, what, 18 months old? I mean, mm. he is a, you know, what he's doing now is is very special. The, the time last week was quick. Cypher was, wasn't far off either. Two very nice pups going head to head, British bred. You know, it's great to see. And um, fingers crossed for Maverick for, for my bet, but it's a cracking final. One to look forward to. Have, have you got a strong opinion or... Any thoughts? Yeah, I was with Keyfield Maverick as well because I think, you know, Romeo Cyphers had 14 runs. We know what he can do. Keyfield Maverick has only had the four. We don't really know what he's capable of yet. And he's got another six months until he turns two. So I thought he had the most scope to improve. Uh, granted, I did want him to be drawn again on the inside of, of Romeo Cypher rather than on the outer. But I think from what we've heard from Phil, he's a very chilled out dog. You know, kenneling won't be an issue for him either. And he's just going to do his thing uh, on Saturday. So, yeah, two strong votes, I think, for Keyfield Maverick in the BGBF British Bread Puppy Cup final at 12.56 on Saturday. Also on Saturday, we've got the Arena Racing Company Cesarowicz final, 731 metres ahead of them. Ella Maestro in trap one, two Bally Taylor, three Brady's Bullet, four Garfini Blaze, five Mad for Sterling and six All Right Gordy. So a full field of six uh, stayers for the Cesarewitch final on Saturday night at 9.02 at Central Park. I know Garfini Blaze is going to be short. So for me, I thought Brady's bullet could be a little bit of each way value, actually, because I think I've always quite liked him for six bends. Um, he's since winning the Monmore Puppy Derby last year, he's had his fair share of issues, has had his tonsils out, he's had his back problems. 
but they seem to have got him back on track. And I do think the two runs that we've seen so far over this 7-3-1, obviously he's been behind Garfield, he plays, and that's where he might be on Saturday. But I just thought he might be the each-way value. I thought he was 9-1 to when I last looked, and definitely a bit of value for me, Joe. What do you reckon? Well, there was no after time in with Keyfield Mavericks. I did put him on on Twitter, but I also didn't put on Twitter. I had a little anti-post bet on Mad for Sterling, um, mm-hmm. and I don't mind after timing that because I backed him at twelve to one, and he's twelve to one for the final anyway. Nice. Uh, so, so, so there's no shrewdness there. Um, I'm 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 just gonna let that ride. I do, I don't think he's he's gonna win. He's still an improving pup though, so I mean he he has got a chance. But this is a high quality final. I think Garfini Blaze is is short enough now. He's been mm. mightily impressive throughout. I just think the the value in the final for me is is Ella Maestro, who's who's really well drawn in one with Ballymac Taylor out outside. Um, he he sort of burst onto the to to the scene winning a maiden in a flashy time at Oxford over the six fifty, and obviously had a good campaign um, in the in the Challenge Cup. Um, he he went out to Havana Lover, made all sorts of trouble in in one of the races uh, on on the eighth of December. But Ella Maestra, uh, um in the semi final didn't run his best split. He was a little bit off the pace there, and all right, Gordy burst out and, and made all, but was closing again at the end. And I think if Ella Maestro and one will definitely beat you know Bally Matt Taylor to the to the corner, you'd imagine you get one of them sixteen fifty odd splits in, could be away in Garn, and and if there's any trouble in behind. I think it has got the ability to make all still a still a young dog. So uh, I think if I was having a bet now, I'd probably go with Ella Maestro. However, I'm just going to let my my um, sort of bet on Mad for Sterling run, even though I'm, I'm not particularly confident. Really good final, though. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be superb. Real uh, stamina sapper over the 7-3-1 over at Central Park. And the Category 1 action doesn't stop there because we're off to Toaster on Sunday because we have the Blue Ribbon final. And trap one is Chelms Sunny, two Romeo Command, three YI Man, four New In Sid, five Fabulous Sonic, and six uh, the lovable old boy, Sinet Goofy. Now, I mean, Romeo Command Joe, he just can't put a paw wrong. Just absolutely top class. Look, we know he's a, he's a very good dog, but he's looked in superb form at Toaster for, for the Blue Ribbon. You know, he, he's just in, in rude health. Um, it's impossible to see him beat unless there's trouble, but he's got he's got a nice draw, I think. He's two to one on, so not really a betting proposition, but he, he's just looked a level above everyone else. And if he continues his form into the derby, I know we're a little bit off um little bit off the derby yet, but you know, if he's running like this for his derby campaign, then he, he'll go far again. He he's mm. he's looked top class and um, you know, he's obviously broke the track record as well in in this uh campaign so uh, it's hard to see him beat it really is who would be the dog to follow him home do you reckon um it's difficult i mean sign it goofy what a great dog i mean just just absolutely superb new in sid um the the eclipse winner hasn't quite looked like he was in that campaign you know in the blue ribbon so it's it's difficult but i, I think i'd probably side with sign it goofy out wide He's got, you know, again, got a nice draw himself. So should should stay trouble free and, and he, he's running well enough to pick up the pieces. So Romeo command to beat Sinek Goofy if I had to do a forecast. Yourself? Yes. Yeah, that's exactly how I'd play it as well. Two beat six. Um, Sinek Goofy's always in my kind of combis when he's in 
competitions because he just always runs so so well and he's just a lovable old boy he's getting on a bit and there are a couple of real good youngsters in this lineup so he's got the draw obviously on the wide outside and if there is any little bit of scrimmaging then he's quick enough to to beat these so I'd be backing him he's not each way really at 11 to 2 as I can see at the moment 6 to 1 if he got a little bit bigger I potentially would on Sunday but um, it looks to be all about Romeo Command and hopefully sign it Goofy can follow him home I mean, he didn't. He didn't get out that well, if I remember correctly. On Sunday, he he it was you know it wasn't a fast finish, but the way he just put the race to bed once he got a little bit of daylight was, you know, breathtaking. And he's um, you know he's running really well, a joy to watch. Yeah, it was a four fourteen split, and he had Swift Iconic with a four oh four in That's there. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he uh, he doesn't always hit the sand running, whereas Sinek Goofy can pretty much set your clock by really. So I'm hoping that he can at least get a handy posy on the outside well that's it for the first of our podcast this 2024 i cannot believe it's 2024 but thank you for joining us once again thank you for all your support over 2023 as well we're hoping that we can get some uh, different guests on this year and we've got a few plans as well um in the pipeline so if you have enjoyed what we do like subscribe follow whatever you need to do review that's the one review as well and let us know what you think of the pod jay and that's, I think that's that you, it yeah that's it i hope you feel better next time danny and your your usual perky self and not you know full of cold and bad <laughs> chest and that so uh, yeah get well soon thank you and we will see you in a couple of weeks everyone bye thanks for listening to gone to the dogs released every other friday for more info or to reach out on Twitter, follow at Totally Betting and at Danny V. Jackson. Podcast produced and edited by Joe Andrews and Danny Jackson. Voiceover by Katie Harvey.